Welcome, one and all, to episode 194 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we are back after you had a, a brief trip north to Minnesota for law school. And and you uh, and by brief, I mean a whole week. Um, so for those of you that don't know, that's why we were unable to get anything going last week. Uh, Justin's gone the week before that. My, my schedule is just crazy right now, so... We're just trying to get you guys content whenever we can. Obviously, Jay and I paused the billing again because, you know, if we can't provide you the content, we're not going to ask you to spend $2 a month. On right. It. We've got the uh, the Patreon site. The billing was paused for no- November for all existing Patreon or patrons. I'll turn it back on so that people can join. But, uh, Seth, I wanted to say for anyone that signs up this month, we're also going to make... We're also going to turn it off for December, too. Um, yeah. And <clears throat> December is... I, I'll be done with school. We'll be providing tons of content in December. We'll be on a... I know I've said this before. I don't want to be a broken record, but um, we'll really be on a regular schedule for December. Uh, I think we're only an hour apart now, thanks to Daily yeah. Savings. Yeah. Which really yeah. helps our scheduling. Um, so, but yeah, Minnesota um, last week... It was very nice, man. Uh, 40s and 50s. I mean, it's kind of cool for someone like you that lives in the Southwest. And uh, but but it it was very nice because um, we, actually we did get a little bit of snow. But <laughs> uh, you know, for a Midwesterner like me, it was uh, the roads were drivable, which is half the battle. And uh, you know, it was, it was nice to get away from work. Um, not nice to get away from from you guys that listen to the show. That's kind of an unintended consequence. But now we're back, and um, hopefully we'll be able to keep a steadier schedule. It's been a pretty busy year, unlike the last couple of years when we've been able to do this consistently. But uh, things are slowing down, so hopefully we'll be able to be more consistent. Yeah, and we'll get back to it today and, and get started. You know, talking about the the 2024 NFL draft, obviously uh, the big news right now is the Arizona Cardinals hold the first pick and and the Carolina Panthers hold the second pick, and that goes to the Chicago Bears. And so the question at the top of the draft... Imagine if the Carolina Panthers could have just taken um, the quarterback one in the draft last year. Yeah, I mean, they definitely (laughs) made it much harder than it needed to be. And, And it's interesting because... That's you know that's the question right now is is the Bears are actually picking two and three, uh, obviously the Panthers pick and then their own pick at three. But the problem becomes four at four five and maybe even six and seven right now, and obviously this is all going to change. Uh, and and picking fourth right now is the New York Football Giants. Uh, New England Patriots are at five. L.A. Rams at six, and then the Green Bay Packers at seven. I mean, we could even probably throw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at eight as like a potential team that needs a quarterback, right? Yeah, but like we like we talk about every year, um, if you're doing a mock draft right now, and I guess we'll kind of get into this. Uh, this evening, but if you're doing a mock draft like right now, like don't mock seven quarterbacks in the first round. It's it's probably really not going to happen. And no, but and that and that's kind of my question is you've got two that are fairly stand out in, yeah. in Caleb Williams and Drake May, 
And if you have, you know, if you have at least four of those eight teams that need a quarterback, um, if you're Arizona or Chicago, obviously Chicago needs have you i mean you're there is there any word on if and when justin fields will be back this year yeah so i think fields will be well it's kind of a mixed bag i mean i think fields will be back soon but um there's there's a contingent that wants to uh stick with with bajent with tyson bajent and uh i i mean i think that that's just kind of a little bit um delusional because you know, if if Fields isn't the guy, and I'm not going to sit here and defend and pound the table for uh, for Fields because there's been some troubling things, you know, on the tape. Um, he's had a lot of opportunities, he's had a lot of starts, um, but he ends up, you know, he loses his job for at least for a period of weeks because he hurts his his thumb, and um, Bajent has. I I I think people are being a little bit hypnotized because. Uh, agent does get rid of the ball quicker, but it's still not always <laughs> a good decision, right? Um, and he still is making a great leap. It, it might be one thing to say that that Bajent is looks like uh, the backup quarterback of the future, but I think if the if the Bears are are wanting to move on from Fields, they're going to be in the market for drafting a quarterback. I think that's really safe to say. So you look at it right now. You've got. The, the discussion beginning with uh, Caleb Williams or Drake May. and was, Let me ask you this, though. Was that really a discussion before the season, in your estimation? I think it was. I mean, you and yeah. I talked a lot about it on both sides of it. And I think it how, was, too. And that's why this, what we're going to talk about, to, to us, I don't think it was much a surprise, right? I think it was like... It was only a matter of time. Right. And so those those things all, you know, it was only a matter of time until we saw it. And now it's starting to come out. Um, and we've hit on a couple of, of the reasons as to why, right? Like, we, we before the, the three-game or the two-game losing streak for Caleb Williams, um, we, we did discuss his struggles against top-tier opponents. And, They've and lost then, three of four, right? Yeah. And then, you know, when that happens, it does make us look smarter than we actually are. Um, you know, no, no, but, no, no, we're smart. <laughs> but we definitely, I mean, that was definitely something that we kind of called to an extent, right? Like we were, well, I, we, we I literally think... talked about the situation and how much he struggled against rank opponents. And then he goes out and, and struggles against, you know, ranked opponents again uh you know has i think a really we touched on it but i don't think we knew to the extent right no not um, at all it, i mean because it, it's pretty stark and and while you talk i'll i'll search for the uh the tweet. oh no i okay i was gonna say because even this year you look at it you know outside of the washington game the notre dame and utah games were were bafflingly terrible um for a guy that is talked about with such high regards as being the best prospect since sliced bread. Um, I, I mean, I mean we've seen ridic- game, game, he throws three picks in the first half, right? Right. And we've seen ridiculous, ridiculous uh, 
things come out about you know where he ranks all time um in in all of these things and so it's if you want to say he's the consensus quarterback one i don't think you and i have a problem with that we're not necessarily going to agree with it but i don't think we have a problem with it no i mean i i think he's a fantastic player and i think he's got a lot of of skill but i also think that some of the concerns we've raised about him um, have come to fruition, and you know you don't want to. You're not going to penalize this kid for um, his supporting cast, right? But the problem with USC, it, you know, on paper on their roster is more about their defense. So when he struggles from an offensive standpoint, then. I think that's kind of what gets your what raises the hairs on the back of your neck if you're you know drafting quarterback number one and I mean look I'm not <laughs> excuse me I'm not comparing uh, Caleb Williams to um, Bryce Young but we we kind of raised these same issues about Bryce Young last year um, Bryce Young probably a couple inches shorter than Caleb Williams but also had like you know all day in the pocket. And you you see that, you know, in my estimation at least, and correct me if, if you think I'm wrong, Seth, but I feel like the league is catching up to these shorter quarterbacks. And so it's it then the onus falls on the coaching staff to get these guys in position where they're going to, you know, be outside the pocket or um, be in a position where they can buy time and, and use their talents effectively but if you have them sitting in the pocket then the league to me the league's catching up to these guys yeah and that's kind of what the question becomes right is is how do you get them into into position to continue to be successful and one of the things and, and we've talked about it and i don't even know if it's just short quarterbacks I think it's these, uh, most of these quarterbacks. I mean, outside of Patrick Mahomes, and now it looks like Lamar Jackson and maybe Joe Burrow. Isn't Mahomes even kind of not looking like a, himself this year? Yeah, but uh, but I mean, you look at a guy like Justin Herbert, who you know is is going to get a win tonight on Monday Night Football with throwing for you know I think under 150 yards. Um, he might have ended up over 150. I'm double checking real quick. But. Well, let me let me it, while you're doing yeah. that. I mean, uh, I think this is a good point to raise. Like, this has been years in the making where you have all these pundits saying throw the football 50 times a game. Um, that's the most efficient way to gain yards, etc. And I understand the concept behind that, but now, I mean, it was only a matter of time, right? Before defenses started tailoring their approach to that kind of philosophy. Right. Right. And so now it's like, we've, we've spent many years uh, saying that we, we need to throw the football 50 times, 45, 50 times a game. And it doesn't matter who your running back is. And that's just, that's not sustainable. It's going to cycle back eventually. Yeah. And that's what's happening. Well, and you look at it, I mean, you even look at a game like last weekend with with um, Philadelphia and, and, 
you know, Philly beats Dallas 28-23, and, and Hertz is efficient at 73.9% you know, completions with 207 yards and two touchdowns, but it's a really... And a rushing touchdown. Right. It, it's It's more about his ability to not make mistakes than it is about him just throwing the ball around, right? Well, like, yeah, in that particular game, yes. And and if you look at his season on the whole, he's turned it over, I think, the second most of any quarterback in the league. Right. So there's a lot of, you know, you've got this. That's a, that's a very uh, good example, I think, for you to bring up because it's not all about the quarterback play for Philadelphia. It's about their defense, their offensive line, um, their incredible efficiency on third and third and fourth and one because of their, uh, the brotherly shove, (laughs) which I love that nickname, but I think it was Pete Schrager. They gave it that nickname, but, um, much better than tush push that, that really sucks. I hate (laughs) when people say that, but anyways, um, yeah, I think that that kind of goes to, to the point where Philadelphia, even though they had a quarterback in Hertz that was borderline MVP last year before he got hurt, they they're still not. Uh, that, that's a team that's built to not put all the pressure on the quarterback, right? Um, whereas you have these teams like uh, you mentioned the Chargers, where a great amount of the of the pressure is put on the quarterback, right? Or or um, you know, look at the Rams. Since Stafford yeah. has gotten old, you know, um, look at even look at the 49ers where Purdy has kind of turned into a, a pumpkin, <laughs> you know, it's 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 really it's I mean, obviously, we're finding out now what we always knew, which was football is a is the team game of team games. Right. And uh, you shouldn't just bank all your dollars on some philosophy that's like, just throw it 50 times. You know, it's, it, it just doesn't make sense. Right. And so that's the question when you come, come into this with Caleb Williams versus Drake May is, you know, the first thing you look at is obviously Williams is on a superior talent-wise offense. Uh, I don't know anymore if you could say he's on a superior team. You could probably say that, but, I mean, neither team is going to go to the playoffs. Right. We know that. Uh, But, you know, is he – he does have superior talent around him in terms of just offensive personnel. And so, you know, one of the things that that, that brings up – I mean, you look at the numbers. I mean, Marshawn Lloyd has – almost 800 yards rushing. He's averaging 7.7 yards per carry. Yeah, and he didn't even play last weekend. He was hurt. Uh, Yeah, Taj Washington's on pace for 1,000 yards. Mm -hmm. Um, Brendan Rice has 10 touchdowns. Uh, They've got, you know, freshmen and Zachariah uh, Branch Branch and and Deuce Robinson who are producing at just a a massive They've got Dorian Singer in there, too, who's kind of turned into like like a fourth – slot receiver right yeah and and so they've got all this talent all over the place and and so you look at what he's done this year and it's nothing short of of incredible i mean 69.2 percent completion percentage under just a hair under three thousand yards 28 touchdowns to four interceptions right um and three of those came against notre dame right and remember that too and so you know 
that's what you have to be able to extrapolate, especially in this situation, is what is he doing uh, separate from the team? And, and like Jay and I have talked about, you're, you're talking about a guy that, you know, a lot of the plays that we, we the collective, we try to praise are just non-translatable plays. There, there are translatable elements his ability to throw the ball into a tight window, his ability to push the ball vertically. Uh, you know, he has a very strong arm. I, I don't know if it's Mahomes strong, but it's definitely, you know, incredibly strong. And and those things matter. And then you look at a guy like Drake May, and he has less talent around him, and his numbers, you know, aren't exactly the same, but they're they're not exactly shying away from what Williams does. I mean, 66%. And doesn't May have the more... Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead with the stats. Well, I was just going to say 66% completion percentage, just over 2,800 yards, 20 touchdowns, five interceptions. Right. Um, and he was without, you know, his his best, singular best playmaker for, what, four games this year before Tez Walker At least, play? yeah. And, and it's crazy to look at because Tez Walker has played in five games. So, yeah, so he missed four games. Right. He's played in five games, and he's already the number three in yards, number four in receptions, and number one in touchdowns in, in half the amount of games that others have played. Well, and, and I don't want to play May. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't want to commit. Right now, actually, we're going to talk about the uh, our top five quarterbacks on Patreon later this week, so. Um, if you want to sign, if you want to uh, hear that, sign up for the Patreon uh, and and listen to that. But I'm not gonna sit here tonight and say May over Caleb Williams. But what uh, what I think is interesting is this has been a conversation back uh, that goes back about a year and. Then it kind of it, it became Caleb Williams number one or bust, right? And now we've seen a very high profile draft guy in Dane Brugler put out his top fifty last week, and he has Drake May over Caleb Williams. I think that's going to be a more and more common take, whether you like it or not, right? Whether you are a watch-the-tape guy or stats guy or whatever, fantasy, whatever, Dane Brugler is an uh, influential guy in this space, and he's got uh, Drake May over Caleb Williams already, and it was uh, not even November when he posted that, right? So Yeah, and it was something that you and I, you know, were curious to see what the reaction would be for those not... You know, because I feel like the consensus has just been so much on um, Caleb Williams. So to see a big name, like you said, come out with with May as number one, it's it's an interesting thing, and and we'll see how it plays out. But uh, you know, the other the other hot it, take, it moves the needle though, right? When when well, a guy like Dane puts that out there, we saw it move the needle. Uh, so many fantasy guys take uh, certain draft nicks like uh, Dane or Lance Zerline, uh certain reputable, and I use that in quotes, and, and it, you know, I 
I don't mean that in, in a pejorative sense, right? I've met Dane Brugler, nice guy. <clears throat> I don't know Lance Zerline, but I'm, I'm putting that in quotes. When people, um, you know, go to reputable draft nicks, they put weight on that because they feel like they are in the know, right? Yeah. So here we are. It is. It was late October, <laughs> excuse me, and Dane is already moving that needle. That's going to hold weight. We're going to see more draft next follow suit. And, you know, are, do you want to talk about his, his other interesting thing from the quarterback rankings, or do you want to save that for the Patreon show? Uh, we can save that. Okay. Uh, 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 although I will say, it, were you talking about the quarterbacks? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we'll throw this out there. Uh, also interesting, top 50, Dane does not have Bo Nix. He does not have Michael Penix. He does have Jaden Daniels in that top 50 as his top senior quarterback. And uh, Seth, correct me if I'm wrong, we called that a few weeks ago. Yeah, and... and We you know, talked about been... Jaden Daniels. Could he be the top senior quarterback? We said yes. Not saying Dane listens to our show. That would give us too much credibility. <laughs> right. But... um. He's on the same page as we are. Right. And so it's just interesting to see it and, and see how he came about it. Um, you know, the big story in college football right now overall is the Michigan scandal that's kind of prevailing on, on you know, the is Jim Harbaugh knowledgeable of what's going on? You know, is he demanding it you know all these questions (laughs) and and you know it's an interesting thing because the question then becomes how do you does that have any impact or effect on these prospects and and what people think of them uh 100 percent, it does okay so let me get our our listeners up to speed um so Every team is always trying to steal the signs, right? Uh, week in, week out. The, the college uh, football programs are holding up uh, pictures of different celebrities or whatever. And so, you know, they're, and they have like three guys in different color shirts holding up different things, giving different hand signs. Okay, all of that's normal. But the problem is with Michigan, what what they were doing was they were advanced scouting, which is not allowed. And um, uh, by the accounts that we've seen in the media, and I'm taking it with a grain of salt, just like everyone else. um, What we've seen is, you know, apparently they were advanced scouting all the top teams, Ohio State, Penn State, uh, Georgia, Tennessee, Clemson, whatever, over the last couple of years, right? Um, now they're caught. They're busted. And we don't know what the what the penalty is going to be. Uh, I think it's probably going to be significant when all is said and done. 
And I'm also not suggesting that other teams do not do this. They haven't been caught, though. The, the, here's Michigan caught with their hand in a cookie jar. Fine. But um, I think this week, Seth, against Penn State, is going to be telling because um, Penn State's one of the teams, allegedly, that Michigan advanced scouted illegally. And now the heat has been on them. This has been hot. Like they can't, they couldn't have been doing this the last few weeks, right? So how much do they have on Penn State? Penn State obviously has changed their signals at this point going into Michigan and is probably angry, like fighting mad. And it's it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens with this Michigan-Penn State game. It's going to be uh, the big noon kickoff this week. And I think it does have... We're going to see something from these Michigan prospects, right? Because uh, we want to know, what are they like if they don't know the plays? What's Blake Quorum like if Michigan's offensive um, coordinator doesn't know the defensive scheme? Or if, you know, what's... Roman Wilson, who's been one of the most prolific touchdown scorers the first half of the year, what's he going to be like? When What's J.J. McCarthy going to be like, right? And here's the thing. I think all of these guys are really good players. So I don't think they're going to be appreciably worse. But it seems like a lot of these guys, at least for the last couple of years, knew what the score was, knew the play before the game took place. Now, you're going to have all kinds of in-game adjustments. Was Michigan up too far by then before the the in-game adjustments got made? We don't know. We don't know. So this last half of the season, to me, is going to be very telling with the Michigan prospects. Because I think they're all good players. But how much did they know in advance? And we don't know. I I mean, maybe they knew nothing. Maybe Connor Stallions is being truthful when he says, hey, I ran this operation on my own. I didn't tell the other coaches. But it's very dubious when you see the footage of him standing next to the defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, etc. And so, you know, I don't believe him. And I'm saying that. Everybody who listens to this show knows I'm I'm an Ohio State grad. I'm not I'm not doing the sour grapes thing, you know. Regardless of what you guys think of me, but um, I'm raising the question because I think it needs to be answered. Like, what does Michigan look like when they don't know the plays? Yeah, it'll be interesting because you know if this was something they knew was coming this year, does it explain their you know their downfall in their run game? You know, Blake Corum's averaging barely five yards a carry. Donovan Edwards, who some people were ranking. He's averaging like you know, three yards a carry, right? Yeah, three, 3.1 yards a carry. Like, their run game is is significantly worse than it was last year. Well, and Seth, I think I'll, I'll raise you on and say, um, why did they get smoked by TCU last year? 
when they see that, like that was a, a team allegedly again I'll say allegedly but uh they didn't scout TCU because I don't think a lot of people including ourselves thought that TCU is going to be a playoff team yeah right um so it's very suspicious I mean it just is and um I would I would say this I promise to our listeners, I would say this about any team that was caught up in a scandal like this, including if it was Ohio State. And maybe more is going to come out, and we're going to find out that like 20 teams are doing this. I don't know. But what we do know about Michigan is just a, very suspect, uh, very dubious. And we'll see what they do the rest of the, the year with the heat on them. Um, and I, I, I fully expect... and. Tell me if you think I'm wrong. I think they're going to get sanctioned. I don't think they're going to be allowed to play in the uh, postseason this year. I think it's, I think the hammer's going to drop on them. See, I don't know if they're going to be able to finish it fast enough to do that, but we'll see how it works out. It might, and you might be right. It might be like a, a one year delay, but that'll be a bad look for the Big Ten if, well, especially when uh, Harbaugh goes to coach the Raiders. <laughs> That was you you saying that, not me. Um, what's next? Trevor Sikama, buddy of ours, friend of the show, dropped his initial mock, or not his initial, but another mock draft. Ah, yeah. Um, we're not going to run through all of it. It's 34 picks because there's a couple teams that don't have any first-round picks. He threw but a top gonna, 10 out there, though. Yeah, yeah we're going to throw the top 10 out there and, and – at number 10, and obviously this is just based on where people will draft right now, so yell at the sky. We, we have nothing to do with it. Uh, number 10, Tennessee Titans take J.C. Latham. You and I both love Latham. Both are um, really interested to see where he ends up because where does a true kind of right tackle end up in, in the draft? And, and um, why, you know, uh, I don't want to spoil the rest of it, but why do you think Latham... He's got what four tackles in this draft? Yeah, I think so. Why does Latham the fourth one? I think it's just because he ever he he's really only ever played right tackle, right? So yeah, I mean, um, but yeah, and, we'll get to another guy that's like that too. Not taking a shot here, but you're you know Jedrick Willis of the Browns has been good ish. Like he's I don't been, think he's uh, been, no, no. I actually he's been well, he's been averageish at left tackle, but that's a good point because he was right tackle and guard. Yeah, and, and so and and people were like, well, his athleticism, and it's right. just like some sometimes, you know, we talked about it last year. Not to get too much into this, we talked about it last year. The thing that we loved about you know Paris Johnson Jr. and why he was the offensive lineman won in the draft was because why? Well, he had played both the left and the right side. He played both guard and tackle. And so he's having a good rookie season playing right tackle with, and they, and it opens things up. They don't have to switch him to left tackle because well, he's good the at thing, right tackle. The thing that was great about him is he played left guard, right tackle and left tackle. Right. And so, so they weren't just like experimenting with him at left tackle. Right, and so and so you knew what you could get from him. Um, what a great pick by the Cardinals! 
And and so <laughs> <laughs> and so this year, you know, if if they go left tackle or you know and take Olo Fashanu or Joe Alt, they can just keep Paris Johnson at right tackle because he's been good and and you know it it's not going to ever be this oh well Paris Johnson <laughs> would be a better left tackle than uh, Fashanu though. <laughs> number nine, number nine, Malik Neighbors to the Broncos. That name climbing up boards, man. I mean, top ten now, no, wide receiver two. You think he he's, goes that high though? I, I mean, because he's like six one, one ninety. You know what I mean? He's not like a physical freak, but he is expected to run like a four four. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be similar to like you know Amari Cooper and those guys, right? Okay. Like, yeah, they, I mean, and, in that case. By all means, draft in the top ten. Uh, number eight, edge number two, I believe. Uh, Latu uh, or Laitu Latu, he goes to. Um, and sorry, this he's edge one in this draft. Holy cow! Mm-hmm. So edge. Oh no, edge Jared one, Verse, huh? Yeah, edge one goes at number. We talked eight. about that. It's it's Latu. To the t- Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There, do you think there's any way Latu goes ahead of JT to Moawau? Uh, like in just, reality, I don't think so. Once it's all said and done, I don't think so either. I mean, I just I, can't see him being the first defensive player off the board. We're going you know, to um, get to Olu Fashanu, and I I don't mean to spoil this, but um, JT to Moawau had. Uh, one and a half sacks, I think, on Olaf Shanu. And granted, he did not go against them all day. He didn't. Um, but when Ohio State played, played Penn State, um, I think that the stat I saw was that JTT had uh, 10 pass rushes against Fashanu and won two of them. Okay? So that doesn't seem like much, but to get home, get a couple sacks on... Two out of ten. Over the course of a game, that's going to mean a lot, right? Right, and that's you know that's a big deal in the uh, in the NFL, and I, you know it's something we'll talk about, like you said, because I'm interested to get your take on this. But number seven, Green Bay Packers take Talisi Fuaga, a guy that we've discussed on the show for for a couple months, and and one of our and and that's because of one of our patrons, you know, really talking about him overall right yes um so that's he's the oregon state right tackle and let me uh make sure that i get our patron it's will barrett um he he was the one that tuned us into to this guy and uh i want to give a shout out to will because he asked us like is it crazy that i think he might be the top offensive tackle and here you have uh trevor sigma you know, coming from PFF, he's their main draft guy, and here he is mocking this guy in the top ten. So I think that you know, shout out to Will, uh, great call. You tuned us into him, uh, and and Will also very great self awareness to say like, is the fact that he's a right tackle probably a right tackle only. Does that drop his value? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, so I don't expect this player to be in the first round. I mean, I'm sorry, in the top 10, right? Um, we saw what happens with other guys that are kind of 
athletically projected to be right tackle only, whether it's Dewan Jones, who ends up going the fourth round. Great pick. He looks like a first rounder, but you have to land with the right with the right team, with the right situation. And if you're a right tackle only, um, a lot of your draft stock depends on what your um, your measurables and your athleticism is going to be. Because if you're, um, you know, if you're unathletic, and I, I or you know, semi-athletic, I don't want to say unathletic because that makes it sound like they're they're not as good athletes as like you or me. But if you're like a slower, um, more stationary guy with just like a lot of strength, you're going to go third or fourth round, right? Like Orlando Brown, like Dewan Jones. But um, that doesn't mean... You... And, and then they'll probably be good pros, though. That's yeah, the funny yes. part. And, and we always talk about the, uh, the right tackle only. Like, I guess the uh, kind of prototype, modern prototype of that would be like a... Uh, Phil Lodeholt, remember him? Right. Right, or maybe an Alex Boone who ended up going to guard even though he was 6'8", but having a, a very good career. So just because you, you're you not like super quick laterally or super fast in the 40, it doesn't mean it's not a death knell for you, but I don't think it's a top 10 pick. Number six... The Los Angeles Rams take QB3. So, I mean, that's that's obviously Michael Penix, right? Or wait, no. It's, uh, no. It's, it's, it's got to be Jaden Daniels? No. Uh, but, I mean, it, it has to be then J.J. McCarthy? Maybe. I mean, that's what Dane Brugler would have projected, but... Trevor Sikama has Bo Nix going sixth <laughs> overall to the Los Angeles Rams. This is not um, the hot take section. But, <laughs> but but I mean, it is interesting that Nix and, and Stafford were college teammates at one point, and, and now you know, <laughs> Nix will be taking over for Stafford um, in this scenario. <laughs> um, I don't hate this call. As far as like, if you're talking about the top, you, you've got uh, Caleb and May going um, quarterback one, quarterback two in some order, right? Um, so quarterback three is way up in the air. I think Trevor's correct in that it won't be Penix. Um, and we, like I said, we saw Dane. Uh, he had McCarthy as quarterback three, pretty highly ranked. Um Again, I think that remains to be seen now. Let's see how the rest of the season plays out with when Michigan doesn't know the play calls, right? Uh, right. Not, not not trying to take anything away from J.J. McCarthy, who I think has some, you know, he has a strong arm. He's a mobile guy. Um, I, I've always I've said all year that I don't think he's necessarily going to declare. He's a true junior, right? Um, right. But, of course, strike while the iron's hot. And certainly if his coach gets suspended or something like that, then might be the impetus that gets him into the draft. But um, I like to call Knicks over Penix because I think Knicks is a better pro prospect. Uh, He's right-handed. They're both mobile. They're both mobile guys. They're about the same size. Um. I I think 
it's close. And I wouldn't take either one of these guys six overall or even in the first round. But um, I like the creativity here. I like the creativity because a lot of people would have just spiked the ball with Penix. Um, like I said, we saw with Dane, he was saying uh, McCarthy. And Trevor, to his credit, he's not uh, being influenced by outside forces. He's doing his own thing. So he's putting Bo Nix number six. That would be a mistake. To me, that'd be like taking, kind of like taking Kenny Pickett sixth overall. But um, I also I like Knicks uh, for the grit and the moxie factor. Uh, number five, the New England Patriots take Joe Alt, so they they bypass Knicks, they stick with Max Jones, and they go with with Joe Alt, mm-hmm. who you and I are pretty close to just declaring as the best offensive tackle in this draft, right? He's, he's a, yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with Alt going top 10. Let me say that. Um, I think he's got some flaws, but he's a tall guy. He's coming from a big time program. He's, he held up really, really well against Ohio State, um, which I think is a, a really challenging defensive line group to go against and uh, I you know I think those are the games that you look at these prospects and you judge them against that right like you look at you talked about JC Latham um, how does he do against the LSUs and the Georgias how did do, how does uh, Joe Alt go against Ohio State and USC and how does um, Ola Fashano go against uh, Ohio State Michigan right I mean that that those are the games you look at Right. Uh, that takes us to four. The Arizona Cardinals trade back from the first overall pick. I'm assuming in a scenario like that, they end up with 900 draft picks. But I don't know. <laughs> um, and they take Olofushanu. Right. We talked about this. Um, just kind of the – we. this is not the first time we've seen Fushanu, um mock to the cards, right? Correct. So – we talk about like the wisdom of taking Paris Johnson one year and then following up with another offensive tackle the following year. And you've kind of got a situation where they could be interchangeable. You could keep Paris at right and you could put Fashanu at left. That's fine. <laughs> but um, why would you double up on that position group when you have so many other needs and it does seem like they're going to stick with Kyler, right? Uh, the goal is for them to stick with Kyler. Right. That's what they want to do. So um, they're going to have about half a season to figure that out, a little right. less, uh, as he's expected to come back this week. Correct, yeah. But um, it's so hard for me to imagine they – did they pick what was Paris the third overall pick? Sixth. Sixth, right. They traded back. So they're going to take uh tackle at six and then four. Like, I, I'm sorry. It just it doesn't add up. Most teams do not operate that way um, where they just load up on. It's, it's, a, it's a key position group, no doubt. But not realistic to me to invest two top ten picks in your bookends Especially when you see what we just talked about with 
where you get like an Orlando Brown in the third round or a, a Dewan Jones in the fourth. Well, let me ask you this, and, and we'll speed through these last three picks. It's Marvin Harrison Jr. at three to the Chicago Bears from the Chicago Bears pick. <laughs> uh, Drake May via the Carolina pick to the Chicago Bears at two, and then okay. the New York Giants trade up to one to get Caleb Williams. So let me ask you this. If it goes one, two, three as it is, who is worthy of that? number four pick i mean because like you kind of just said you're not taking in this scenario you're obviously not taking quarterback you can't trade back from one to not and if you're gonna take quarterback it's just and so then you're looking you're saying is it you know latu is it Tulamolo? is it is it wide receiver two and neighbors is there a corner or that's gonna uh, go coleman right yeah, or is there a corner that's going to come up in the draft? Is Jerzon Newton going to start making noise mm-hmm. um, to be, you know, that top guy? Like, what? where do you go? Because I think in this draft specifically, it seems to be very OT heavy Right. once you get past the consensus top three. And, and we can debate, you know, the arrangement of those names, but Williams, Harrison, and May feel like the consensus top three. It does. And that's a great question. And I think the answer is going to play out when we get to draft season because you're probably going to get a quarterback out of this group of second-run you know, second tier quarterbacks is, is uh, Shadur Sanders going to declare, is it going to be Knicks or Penix? Um, not that we would agree with that, but what we've seen from uh, NFL teams in terms of draft trades, that's probably going to be the guy, right? It's, right. it's probably going to be a trade up for a quarterback. Well, and I think in this scenario, if you're talking about that, right, I, I truly do believe that if you if if the board is set where you're talking player, you know, you're not talking until player eight that you're not going to see a quarterback or offense tackle drafted, then that does, you know, allow you to go further back. You can go to six or seven. Where right. You know, you can take edge one, um, defense tackle one, cornerback one, or wide receiver two in that in that scenario. Because if you're not going to take OT one, whether or not we agree with who it is, but if you're not going to take OT one, then you have to. I, I I don't see any reason to stay there and then you know quote unquote reach for a guy if that's how kind of things play out in this. And draft. and, and uh, OT is another position that a team would trade up for too. We've seen that. So um, I think Arizona is like, what do they call it? It's in, they're in the catbird seat, right? Right. Like they're, if they're sticking with Kyler, they're going to be able to do so much. The most interesting thing I've read is if the Cardinals end up being, you know, having the first pick, but every game they're starting to lose and it's, you know, a shootout where they're scoring almost 30 points a game and you're like, okay, that, you know, that's, that's exactly what you want to happen. Right. Like right. the quarterbacks are really good and everything else is kind of garbage. And, and so then you, you get that first pick, you control the draft as you're saying and go from there. That does beg the question though. 
in this scenario, and again, this is this is Trevor's mock draft, but we we use the consensus mock draft all the time. You guys know that we love the the big board overall. Um, with the way things are, is is offensive line the deepest or the best, I guess, position group in this draft, or is it wide receiver, or or is it maybe maybe it's you know d line and we're just there's not the you know bosa or or chase type of guy or miles garrett but but there's four guys that could end up being you know khalil mack level type of guys right so i i would probably handicap this at um wide receiver being the top position group because i i'm very high on this receiver class uh, Marvin Harrison, then you got uh, Coleman, Keon Coleman, you got Emeka Buka, you got Romeo Dunze, this rece- Malik Neighbors, Brian Thompson. This receiver class is stacked. It's stacked. And I think we're going to look back at this class like the 2014 class. Uh, there, there are going to be so many high-impact rookies. But the the offensive tackle class looks really good too. The thing is, you've got a you do have some some players who might end up as right tackle only, um, or maybe translate better to guard. That always happens with the offensive line group, right? But this receiver group to me looks really special. It does, it, and and so I would have to say that the receiver group is going to be the the top group in this draft they're they're probably going to be what four or five first round receivers and there will be just as many first round tackles but they won't be as high quality if that makes sense so you know again the consensus big board great tool to utilize there are uh 12 which is a huge number 12 offensive tackles ranked in the top 100. And so that's that's impressive and including five with first round grades, you know. So Fashanu, Alt, Latham, Amarius Mims, Graham Barton and Graham Barton out of Duke who we, you know, profiled a couple of weeks ago. Um and and that goes to your point of how good that group is. Right. The but, wide receivers But some of those guys beat, are going to end up at guard. Right, but the wide receivers beat that either way. I mean, you have six projected as top or first round picks mm-hmm. and uh, 14 top 100. And to be fair, the top 100 is actually the top 81. Um, you know, so so that, you know, it the, it is. There's there's two things to it. I think one. Did I say Brian Thompson? I meant Thomas. I know, yeah. yeah. Okay. I just want to make uh, sure I got that right. I think there's two things to it. I think the first thing is that Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably the best prospect in the class, which, you know, gives the boost to the the wide receivers in general. It'd be crazy, right, if we see him drafted number one overall. I um, think the only team that would do it is the Arizona Cardinals, right? There's, yeah, exactly. There's, there's a, a like snowball's chance in hell that it happens, but it would be the first time since Keyshawn 
Johnson went number one. And then you look at it, and, you know, from 12 to 30, you have Coleman, Neighbors, Agbuka, Adunze, and Worthy. And so it's just, like Jay said, it's just a, it's just a absurd, absurd um, overall group. Well, people it, it, aren't even talking about Worthy. I mean, this guy's supposed to run a sub 4-4. Four four, right. Right? So, um, there's going to be a lot. The receivers always, always dazzle in draft season when it comes to pro days or combine, right? And the tackles don't. Some of them do, but not not on the whole, right? The receivers are always the freak athletes, 40-inch verticals, those kind of things that just, like, make the eyes pop. And it, I think there, you know, I think there are going to be a lot of really good um, offensive tackles taken, but I think the receivers are going to steal the show in draft season and it's going to take over. Finally, you got a hot take for us. I do. Um, So the other night, uh, Caleb Williams and USC lost their third game of the season to, um, was it Washington? It's all blending together. Yes, to yes, yes, Washington. So they lost to Washington. It was the third loss of the season because they've already lost to um, Notre Dame and Utah, which losing to Utah has become par for the course for that team. Um, and it has, it was uh, Notre Dame game notwithstanding because Caleb threw three picks again in the first half of that game but the other games he it's not like he's played poorly or anything but um they lost to Washington and afterwards Caleb Williams jumped into the stands and had a good uh ugly cry with his mom and i think his dad probably or i mean we've all been there yeah i mean he was his mom was holding him uh they covered his face he was he was having a good cry okay and uh, emotions run high, right? I'm not criticizing him. Um, I'm just saying that Jim Nagy <laughs> of the Senior Bowl. Uh, is he a friend of the show? No, he doesn't invite us. I don't anything. think he. I don't no. think he knows who we are. He's okay. I mean, for what he does, he's he's promoting his game, right? As right. always, and Caleb Williams is not going to be a Senior Bowl guy because he's not eligible. Um, I mean, if it makes it clear he's not eligible because Jim Nagy said quarterback needy NFL teams will spend time on this during draft meetings. It must be discussed. So he's talking about Caleb jumping into the crowd and crying with his mom. Okay. Um, Jim Nagy probably promptly deleted this after he got a lot of crap. For it, but uh, do you think they're going to discuss this? I mean, is this something that's? I think we talked about it earlier. There's probably other things to worry about uh, with Williams, other than his play. Right, you know, he paints his fingernails. Right, it's not even that he paints. <laughs> I'm just it's kidding. Not even that, it's not even that he paints his fingernails. I think it has probably more to do with painting 
what he f Utah without saying f, <laughs> uh-huh. and, and and you know that probably upsets people more. And, Some old you know, heads get upset with that, right? I mean, well, and I I'm sure some people will look at that and go, oh, that that that's amazing, that's hilarious, right? Right. But um, well, we look at it through a modern lens, and um, you like the competitiveness of it. You like the, you know, you like the individuality of the guy. He's he's got his own. He he marches to the beat of his own drummer. Um, but we've heard more ridiculous. Uh, critiques of quarterbacks over the years. So t- it's it's funny because Nagy says this, and, and I think people, you know, s- dunked on him for it, right? But uh, we've also heard, like, was it, I know it was Connor Cook. I know it was Marcus Mariota. They were kind of compared to, like, the guy from draft day where it's like, Oh, nobody, all his, yeah, nobody came to his birthday. Right, nobody came to his birthday party. People weren't. So we've heard, we heard Geno Smith, oh, he was playing with his phone. Um, CJ Stroud, oh, he seemed kind of aloof. Um, uh, Dwayne Haskins, oh, his dad is, is a stage dad. Right? Like, we, so this, the thing is, like, everybody jumped on Nagy, right? I, that's fun. It's fun to do that because he's, kind of a villain uh jim Nagy is kind of a villain like phil savage used to be when he was with uh running the senior bowl right if you don't go to his game they're gonna trash you right um and i i don't think that's right i don't think that's okay i think that's kind of bush league you know chicken squat whatever i'm cleaning it up for our itunes uh listeners but uh also like don't act surprised that you're getting this kind of criticism for a top quarterback because this is really par for the course for these guys. And unless you're a favored son like Carson Wentz or Daniel Jones who goes to the Senior Bowl and then people are like, well, you can't, but he can't throw. (laughs) You know, it's the old Emory Hunt joke, um, weakness, passing, (laughs) right? Right. Uh then people are like, oh, you just don't like this guy because you don't know how to watch the tape. <laughs> and it's like anyone who watches Caleb Williams tape is, you know, we, we've had we've had our fair criticisms of like, oh, he has all day to throw on this play or that play. But you still make something happen, right? You, you're still um, running the scramble drill and unleashing your arm talent and things like that. Um I guess if your criticism is that he got emotional after a loss, it's kind of weak sauce. Grow but up. Jim Nagy <laughs> is kind of like the voice of the anonymous scout, right? Right. Yeah, and it'll just be interesting how that all works out because, you know, I think there's plenty, and we've talked about it, I think there's plenty of criticism to go around on, on um on Caleb Williams and, and sort of manufacture it in that way. It just seems silly. I mean, that's the least of my concerns is he got emotional after it wasn't just a loss, right? It was a loss that knocked him out of probably the big 10 championship contention, right? Pac-12, Pac- but yeah, Pac-12, right. 
B- Big Ten. Did I say Big Ten? Yeah, I mean that's next year. But uh, so he should get used to it if he's going to stick around. Um, right, exactly. But what I'm saying is like, okay, so up until last weekend, they still had a shot to play for the conference championship. And now that's pretty much eliminated. So I get it. It was uh, special circumstances that caused him to show that emotion. His parents are there. You know, look, he's a young guy. Um, I think that's... What are they going to discuss? What's going to be discussed in NFL circles? Like, he's emotional. He's, I mean, I get what the, the implication from Nagy was it's going to be discussed like he's weak, right? And I don't, I don't agree with that. I just don't. It's, we've all been in, um, you know, you and I to a lower level than college, but um, you and I and most of our listeners have been involved in athletics and understand what it's like to lose a, like a very important game. And so, yeah, it gets to you. It, it does, but <laughs> it's just funny. Uh, it's funny to watch Jim Nagy get dragged for that. Um, but also, I mean, I, in a way I agree, it does need to be discussed, but you can also probably put that aside. Yeah, and, you know, you just look at it. It's just, I just, Nagy doesn't even be making criticisms of guys that just because they're not coming to his game. Like, that's. I agree. That's my biggest issue. I think that's, that was one of the things that bothered me about Savage. Uh, Year after year, guys would not, guys would commit to the Senior Bowl, but when, when all was said and done, they wouldn't go. And then Phil Savage would get up in front of the media and rip those guys. And I thought that was unfair. I mean, a lot of those guys have different circumstances for why they're not going. Uh, Their agents are advising them not to go so that they don't get hurt. Or they just played the championship game like a week before that. Whatever the case is. Um, And Caleb Williams is an underclassman. He's a... uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, Seth, but he's a true junior, and I don't think he's graduating, so Nagy has no hope of getting him into the Senior Bowl. So then he, it seems, you know, on the surface that he just feels free to kind of critique a guy against his own guys, which is going to be like Bo Nix, Michael Penix, etc., yeah. Sam Hartman, or whatever. And... Didn't uh, Michael Pratt declare today? Did he? I, I'm pretty sure he did. Okay, so that's another guy from uh, Tulane. And by the way, there was a lot of talk. I mean, that's another conversation for another day. But uh, there was a lot of talk that he was going to uh, transfer, enter the portal, and use his extra year and transfer to a bigger program. Pratt? Yeah. So to like um... – Alabama, Ohio State. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Probably, I mean, let's be honest, probably one of those two schools unless McCord comes back. McCord will come back. McCord will come back. Uh, yeah, so probably like Michigan, right? <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think so McCarthy's Mac- going to come back. Yeah, unless. We'll see. 
unless something happens to Harbaugh, which is, you know, we'll discuss right, that, right. as that happens. But anything else before we get out of here? No, just uh, thanks to all the listeners for being patient with us. Uh, like I said, we should be more consistent from here on out. I've said that before and failed, but um, hopefully this time I'm telling the truth. And thanks to uh, most of all to our patrons. And again, the if you want to sign up for November, I'll set that up. And December's going to be free. So sign up for November. Maybe you pay two bucks. We're going to do a bonus episode this week for sure. Um, but um, December, there's going to be a ton of content. I'm going to make it all free for patrons. Yep. And we appreciate you guys listening as always. We will be back later this week with a bonus episode. Have a great night, everybody.